think we're good. Good. Cool. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Let's do this uh, attempt number two. Are we going to do it the right way this time? Yeah, look at this setup. We're fucking ready to go. We got the mixing board. We got the fancy studio, the mics. We're uh, true professionals today to make sure we get it right and not talk for two hours to have nothing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mike, at Nobility um, Performance. We're very thankful to be able to come here and use this high-end equipment. So we have a mixer. So now it's going to record both of our voices. And... Um, There will be real content now. Yeah, be a good one. Yeah. Good mics. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Welcome back to Giver, everybody. We're here with Ian Valier. <laughs> Say my name. <laughs> Come on. Hi, I'm Ian. This Again. is this is my husband. I'm sure all of you know. Um, we are finally going to get to all the questions that you guys sent us. There's a lot, so there's no way we're going to get through them all today. I can't decide. Should we like split it up like one like normal questions and one sex questions? Do whatever you want. Because there's like a lot of a lot of the questions are about sex. Well, I don't know anything about sex. I'm a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a front. I just talk like I know, but I actually have you're not. you're a vagina virgin. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Are we gonna start right with questions? Well, I don't know. Is there anything you want to say? How are you? You're two weeks out from yeah, you're a show. The host. You ask me questions. You're two. You're well, I guess under two weeks out from a show right now. Ten days out. Yeah, how do you feel? I feel good. I'm tired, but that's a lie. I don't really feel that tired. I mean, considering how I feel in like the off season and stuff like that, my energy is actually really good. Well, f there's different there's different Types energy levels. You know what I mean? Like, are we talking about mentally tired, physically tired? As, as I get closer and like the excitement starts to pick up, I find this. And if anyone watches my YouTube, they'll you know you watch like as the shows get closer and I start to look better. People would be like, this guy must be stimmed up to the nines. He yeah, you so sound energetic. like you're on crack. Yeah, I get so energetic as I get close because I get really excited and I'm seeing the look come together and I'm feeling like really positive and optimistic and, um, you know, happy with where things are at. So I got a little pep in my step, you know. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I, you know, doing the double cardio, my food's pretty low. So, you know, I have moments of the day where I'm definitely like, oh, it's hard to get off the couch or by the end of the cardio, you know, you're feeling like on the hypo side and it's like you just want to fall asleep right there. But um, but mentally I'm very motivated and very excited and have a lot of energy. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, it's, things are coming together at the right time. Um, it's been very different prep for me, but a very fun one. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I, uh, I also think it's different for you because you eat so much food when you're not close to a show, Yeah. which that makes you almost more tired than when you're eating less food. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously like limits, you know, and uh, like, you know, once you get to amount of carbs, especially where you're in such a surplus that like your blood sugar is like all uh, like, you know, obviously it's a lot of food to process. It's like when you go eat your big Thanksgiving dinner. And then oh my God, you're so, you're so tired. You know, it's like people will say it's the tryptophan, the turkey, whatever it is. It's not. It's that you're eating like stuffing and potatoes and, you know, it's just calories and carbs and all this. Okay, well, the tryptophan number one is only in turkey, right? Yeah. And... How much turkey do you have to eat probably to get high off tryptophan? You're you're probably eat, the whole goddamn turkey, and yeah. you're not eating. Most of your calories aren't even coming from turkey. No, people it's eat coming like from four ounces of meat and then gravy, mashed potatoes, sure. cheesy, whatever. Yeah, fucking broccoli, cauliflower with cheese or whatever. So, so yeah, no. But my energy definitely gets a lot higher, um, and I really enjoy not spending my entire day eating. 
Um, you know, when I'm eating yeah, all how day. Long, how long does it take you to eat a meal now? I mean, I started eating my first, we had physio, I had a physio appointment this morning and we had to leave by 1045. I started eating my meal at 1038 and we were still at the door by 1045. Yeah. <laughs> he eats his meals in about five minutes right now. F five minutes if I'm like not trying to rush. Yeah. You know, if I'm like, I got to get it in, I can ply with a meal and fucking four bites right now. Yeah. You know, so it, uh, that feels nice. Like, I feel like I have a lot more time in my day. Like, it feels like my days are 10 times longer when you're not spending it sitting at a counter eating all day or like the monotony of like, you know, oh, I got to eat and I'm still full. And um, so I actually, maybe I, I'm sure most people, especially men's bodybuilders that have really pushed off season will probably agree with me in the sentiment that a good off season where you're really pushing the food is markedly more uncomfortable, uncomfortable and difficult than being hungry. And, yeah. You know, like when you're just, your energy's gone, your sleep goes to shit. Like, you know, everything like that is difficult. Even training gets hard when you're heavy like that. Um, you know, it's, it's just different, especially like for me, like I'm not naturally a humongous guy, you know, like I'm not, if I wasn't bodybuilding, I'd be like 190, not 290, you know? Yeah. So, you know, when I'm carrying that much weight over my homeostasis, it's like, you just feel so slugged down. And, you know, when I get to this point and I'm, you know, my energy's so much higher, like lower from the food, but higher because I can kind of process everything efficiently and, and, you know, my body can work through everything a lot more efficiently. I feel a lot, a lot better and my sleep's better, you know, everything like that. So, um, so we're in a good spot, but yeah, 10 days we head out Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I compete on Sunday. Um, this will be my first prep with Matt since 2019. Uh, How's that going? What, what are like, what are the differences you're, you're noticing between Patrick and Matt? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're different people, you know? So, I mean, it, you can say differences in terms of just personality and how they work with you and things like that, which are really just personality differences. But in terms of the prep, it's hard to say, like, you know, there's not a massive overarching difference until you really get into like the last week or two, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm really just starting to get into that place where I'm starting to notice the, the differences in the protocols and, you know, the ways they operate. Um, you know, the, the most fundamental difference um, so far has just been protein intake. Yeah. You know, with Patrick, he was a little lower on the protein, kind of like cover your necessities um, and then get as much carbs in as possible to fuel performance. Where Matt is get a lot of protein in, um, which is kind of, I've worked with a lot of guys like that. You know, um, when I worked with Dennis James, he was very high protein. I really like the look with that. You know, I know some guys like Chad and stuff go pretty crazy with protein. So and like, I'm not eating 16 ounces of protein a meal, but you know, from Patrick say I was eating 200 grams cooked or raw weight mm -hmm. going to 250, you know, 225, 250. Sorry, did I say it the wrong way? No, no, no. Raw it was weight about two, to, it, it was 200 raw and honestly would cook down to almost 150. Now going cooked. to like 250 cooked. It's a, uh, yeah. you know, it's like I'm almost eating another like meal and a half of protein. Um, and you know, he does a lot, a lot more beef, you know, even this close to a show, I don't think I've eaten I have still beef in two meals, mm -hmm. you know, which I haven't had this close to a show at all. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean, there's, there's something different in the look. I can definitely see from the higher protein, um, you know, like the, the detail is different, you know, mm -hmm. like you've seen my physique. It's like, there's certain areas, like, you know, I have areas that always get hard and dry, like my quads or, you know, certain things like, you know, my, my chest will get strided or your back gets lean, but like certain areas like my delts or my arms, um, definitely have more detail, you know, like I can see the, the detail between all the different muscles in my arms and the striations in my delts and the cut to my delt is different. 
Um, so, you know, there's, there's things like that, which I don't know to attribute it to the protein intake or, you know, different things we've done in terms of, you know, uh, compound drug manipulation, um, which aren't like massive differences by any means, but, uh, I'm very excited for the last, you know, 10 days week. Cause I think that's where someone like Matt is really going to shine. You know, I think that's where someone like Matt or, you know, the Hanies or these guys that are, you know, and look, this is not saying Patrick is not one of the best coaches. I think Patrick is an excellent coach and I won many shows with Patrick, but when you look at Matt's resume in terms of his ability to peak guys, I mean, he's undoubtedly one of the most best, you know, top and most consistent guys at the moment. I you know, also think Nick that we, or me, <laughs> whatever, in terms of your peak week last year, I didn't, I didn't really like measure sodium properly. And to me, that was a learning for me that I was like, like, even if Patrick was saying like, increase it by 30%, like I didn't even have a baseline to know how to do so. And when you don't, when you're, when you're in the last week and you have to make a decision like that and you don't know what the baseline is, you're almost too scared to like do anything because yeah. you're like, fuck, I could make this worse rather yeah, than so better. You almost don't want to do anything because you don't want to so like that, that change. Yeah, that's a learning from like, I mean, your standpoint, my standpoint, no, that that's something, something that you need to. something we both saw, honestly, from Chris and Hani was yeah. the intricacy with his, you know, especially water and sodium, um, you know, and I think that's something that he, he does very, very... Uh, like in very fine minutiae. Well, ha Hani is like, like, like intense, like intense, um, like attention, OCD. attention, <laughs> no attention to detail. Attention. To detail. Even like Matt obviously also has attention to detail, but it's not like we get a drug scale and measure four grams of salt. Yeah. Whereas Hani is like, especially no, with, everything especially going with, out. with yeah. Christopher's like yes. kidney. You gotta be pretty yeah. specific, especially with someone with, you know, an autoimmune disease affecting the kidneys when you're talking about sodium and water. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, a a different prep, you know, different level of excitement. Toronto's a show that means a lot to me. Um, you know, I've been every single placing in the top five, except for first at the show, <laughs> you know, and I haven't done it in four years. So I think I'm a very different level bodybuilder than I was the last time I did it. Um, you know, I don't think I've actually lost a show since the season after I lost Toronto. Since 2020 season, I haven't even lost a regular season show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I've, every show I did 2020, 2021, 22, um, I haven't lost any of those. So, you know, to get back up there kind of like with that, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a redemption? No, like get with a, like a, with a better resume, like to get up there with, you know, more credentials, mm. you know, and, and just more experience of winning shows. Um, you know, and I think doing the guest posing at Fuad show really kind of like got a bit of anxiety and like a monkey off my back just to get on stage once a few weeks out, you know? Yeah. You also didn't have the best showing the last time you were on stage. So how do you think like mentally you're handling dealing with that and getting back on stage at your best? Yeah. I think there's a few things here. I mean, one, I've definitely had to limit my time and uses of social media, you know? Um, and e even, I, I want to say this without sounding arrogant anyway. I do not believe that there's anyone that can beat me in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, I am a hundred percent confident that I will win Toronto pro. Um, I believe it through and through. I, I am 100% confident that I will. It was never about that though. But it's not about that. It's, it's still about, you know, maybe even if it's putting my own pictures up and seeing one comment that I didn't like that, you know, got into my head and I'm like, man, what are they seeing that I'm not? Is this the reality? Is everyone else just, you know, riding my nuts and this is actually the honest opinion and, you know, like uh, things like that. It's not even looking at competitors, um, you know, 
stuff like that, just putting myself out there for that. And look, it's obviously part of being judged and, and part of that, but I'm going to leave that for the stage. You know, I'm going to leave the judging for the stage and not try and focus on what people have to say about what's leading into it or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so definitely limiting social media use. Um, like I said, I think the Fuad's guest posting, I was super nervous and anxious leading into it. Um, but looking, you know, back now in retrospect, it was like the best decision I could have made. You know, I think if with the kind of nerves I had and, you know, how the Olympia went last year, um, I think if getting up on stage in Toronto was the first time, it would have been like, that's the one kind of shaking the ice off where I've done that now. You know, I got up there, it was a really good supportive crowd, kind of gave me my mojo back. Um, you know, I saw kind of how my physique looked at that point and the level of muscularity I have. And that kind of made me hopeful that there is definitely some new tissue on there. Even if the conditioning wasn't show ready, um, it was still, I could see the improvements where I want to see them. Um, and I felt comfortable in my posing. I didn't feel like clunky or awkward like I did at the Olympia. Um, so yeah, no, I think it was a, a great thing. And, you know, I think those are the two biggest things, you know, just getting that stage confidence back. I think Matt's also had me hitting all my poses in my updates, you know, which now, you know, some poses I just shied away from because I didn't like how they looked and I didn't want to see something I didn't like to protect myself. So I'd send updates in like my front lap, my side chest, my back double, like the shots I like, you know, but now, I mean, you've seen some of the shots that I like the most now or the shots I was never doing like my front double. Now, when I look at it, what's the first shot I look be like, that's the one I'm looking. I'm like, this looks so good for my front double. I love this, you know, to see the changes from poses that you didn't necessarily love to becoming poses that you do like, um, is a lot more rewarding feeling to see than to see a pose that you already really like be a little better, you know, mm -hmm. to see that improvement or like shots, like my abs and thighs, like when I'll send that and that's like, man, I really fucking like this pose on you. You know, I've changed it doing the vacuum and stuff now. Um, so just to see things like that, you know, changes give you a little more confidence. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be like learning and feeling uncomfortable with any poses like the week of, mm -hmm. you know, so that gives me a little more confidence for sure. And he, he said that when we started together, he's like, I'm going to make you do all these poses every single update. And I was definitely nervous about it. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do that shit. But, uh, but I'm, I'm glad I did, you know, so I think those are, you know, social media, hitting the poses consistently and getting comfortable with them. Um, and getting up there for that guest posing, you know, just like getting up there and doing a, doing a trial run, you know, yeah, or three really pertinent things. I think that have definitely, you know, bolstered my confidence going into Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, also because when I felt that crowd at Fuad show, it felt like it was like a taste of what's to come for Toronto. You know, that's like a good crowd, but Toronto's going to be a lot bigger. Well, it's, it's in it, the same area and it's going to be a lot of the same people that exactly, will be there, but more. You know, with a lot more of my friends, my family, plus those supporters that were there that were going wild. I mean, that crowd was like crazy. I mean, I went out into the crowd and I could have stayed out there for 30 minutes. People run up, wanted to take photos. And, you know, it was just so much fun. And like people, when I came out, people went crazy. And um, <clears throat> yeah, and just, you know, to know that the crowd in Toronto is going to be that plus some, plus yeah. I'll be in what I think is to come one of my better or best looks. Um, I'm pretty confident we're on trajectory for that. Um, so when you put those all together, um, it just makes it very exciting. You know, I'm just, and I remember when I did Vancouver last year, like doing Canadian shows as, you know, a premier Canadian bodybuilder is just, it's a different energy, you know, like the fans are there and they just want to support Canadian bodybuilding, you know, and the, the judges and everyone. It's, it's not like, it's like, this is a, a, a network of people I grew up with. You know, mm -hmm. I went through the amateur, you know, you see guys like Rudy and Ron Hache and like guys like that I was doing amateur shows in 2010, these guys were around. 
you know, so for them to see and see me and, you know, the, the changes I've made through my physique and what I've accomplished in my career and just to kind of be part of that kind of Canadian bodybuilding network is, is cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of like, obviously right now what you're doing is staying off socials to kind of stay the course and stay confident and do what you need to do. But sure. do you think that there's for anyone listening or for me, for yourself, whatever, is there anything that you think you can do as someone that's going to be in the spotlight to kind of solidify your assurity of how you see yourself and not let kind of social media impede that self-doubt that you, you tend to second, second guess, you know? Look, I don't think there's any way to get rid of it, mm-hmm. at least for me. You know, I think if you read bad comments about yourself, it's always going to make you feel some kind of no, way. No, I didn't say get rid of I mean, like, mitigate it. Well, for me, the mitigating is just, you know, it, it's it's like the don't let the negativity go to your head. Don't let the positivity go to your heart. And I think that's, I'm, like, trying to find that, ride that balance. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you ride the high of the positive comments, but a thousand positive comments won't affect you like one negative one, you know? It's like they'll make you like feel good, but then one negative one makes you feel a thousand times worse, you know? So for me, I think- Well, I think it's searching outside of yourself for any answer for for your worth, because if you're gonna look for a positive for your worth, or you're gonna look at the negative, if either of those things matter too much, what you actually think about yourself is gonna be diluted. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So, you know, just, you know, trying to not, just have faith in the work that I've done mm-hmm. um, and faith in what I have accomplished on stage um, and faith in my coach and in myself that we will bring a package that is improved. Um, and I think at some point, look, I'm a people pleaser. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to support me. Like, And, and I know that's not a reality in the world. Um, so I think when you kind of let go of that, especially in bodybuilding, where it's a very subjective sport, and just worrying about appeasing the judges, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're winning shows, the judges are happy, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if that's what it is. And I take, I their... mean, the judges are even happy if people are hating on you on the internet. Sure. Yeah. Look, obviously there's promotion sport, but I'm talking about winning shows, you know? I'm, yeah, I, of course. You know, so when I talk about that, like if I'm consistently winning shows and I win a show and I still get internet negative feedback, it, I just have to realize that means nothing. I still won the yeah. show, you know? And if I go to the Olympia and I come third, let's say, and everyone still says he fucking sucks. It, it really doesn't matter. Like I'm a career bodybuilder. Like I'm not a career impress everybody, you know? So, and I think that's really trying to separate the two. Um, and look, I can only look how I can look like I, this is my physique. I have it. And this is what it is. And if someone doesn't like it, that's it, okay. It's, it's fine. Like, look, obviously I want you to like my physique, but if you don't, and I'm still being competitive on stage, eh, You know, like, I mean, and then that's the thing I really had to separate is like, am I trying to be an Instagram bodybuilder that everybody likes my physique? And let's be serious. We can name plenty of these guys that are not overly competitive bodybuilders. They're still pros and they might do some shows and do okay here and there, but they're not career bodybuilders like I am. Well, Um, maybe they also don't want to be. Maybe they're happy with how they're living and they're, yeah. In that same breath, say everyone loves them and loves their physique. Yeah, exactly. But then when it comes to stage time, they're not nearly as competitive as me. Of course. And you have to draw that line in the sand in your mind of like, which one do I want to be? Yeah. You know, and for me, I want to be a competitive bodybuilder. You know, I want to win shows. I want to be competitive at the Olympia. I want to bring the best physique that I can bring. Um, And I mean, after that, it's like, if you don't like it, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, but, but at least... 
if you don't like it, respect the work I put in, you know? Well, no, it, that doesn't matter either. I honestly think that's a beautiful answer. And I think when we were talking about like values and stuff a few weeks ago, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's very interesting because you and Courtney are very similar. Mm-hmm. You both kind of, you're both confident individuals, 100%, but there's something about this people pleasing that's kind of gets extrapolated, especially because of you're both in the limelight and social media. Right. And, um, I like that answer because it's not, I don't really, I don't like when people say like, well, I'm, I'm going to stop caring what other people think because that's not real. But if you are now like, well, it's all right if you don't like my physique, because my goal in my life isn't for you to like my physique. And so now you can still care, but it's not going to matter as much because it's actually not your main objective in your life. Right. And even, and for a while it had become my main objective. It's like, I would win shows and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if I had one negative comment. Well, do you remember after when you won New York? Yeah. It's like, I won New York pro against a good lineup, but you know, look, the stage lighting wasn't the best. The photos that came out weren't the best. I think it was a good look for me. It wasn't my best look, but it was a good enough look. I don't look. care. I was it there. Was you handily, I was I there. You the handily won the show. I handily won the show. I was very confident in that, but I got negative feedback and that completely over, what's the word? Like over, it overshone. Over, Listen. Overshone, like we, my win. You we, know, I didn't enjoy my win for one minute because I was worried about like, no, man, I won, but like no one likes you. You enjoyed it. it for about an hour because we, we, we got back to the hotel. You were so happy. You took a shower. We got ready. We got to the restaurant. We sat down and then you opened up your phone and then expecting positivity. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole night was ruined. Yeah. And you aren't, you are not like that anymore. No. I'm, I'm trying not to be. I mean, look, I'm not perfect, you know, and I think I'm not perfect. So somewhat of a state of, I don't want to say avoidance, but just learning to mitigate my exposure to it, you know, not giving myself opportunities as much like searching out for them, like going on Instagram, reading all the comments about me, going on my photos, reading all the comments, going to every bodybuilding page that posts my thing, looking at all the YouTube channels. I really don't look at any of them. But I would argue that you're not actually avoiding. You're just, just you're, you're, no, you're living in what you want it to be because before you were looking, not because it's what you like to do in your spare time, because you were actually seeking the positive side of the validation. And now that you've learned that the validation on either end doesn't Doesn't matter, matter. you're not doing it. And that's that's actually right. You're not avoiding it because people don't understand like, you making a choice to like shut something down or like, I don't know if Courtney puts the timer on her Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. That to me, you're not really taking responsibility. You're not getting to the root. Yeah. Like let's get to the root. Why are you on there? Yeah. Why do you need to open that up? The need to open it you now know that you would open it up because you were, you were looking for positivity. Positive but you, then I would find negativity and that would make me feel much worse. And even if you had the positivity, you did still not. didn't trust it. But that's what I was saying. It's like, I can see a thousand positive comments. Mm-hmm. If I see one negative one, it would negate all those because I'm like, well, these people might just be my fans. Mm-hmm. It might just be ride my nuts or whatever you call it. Which is possibly true. Absolutely. 100%. And that's why I said that like, never let go to your head, never let go to your heart. That's saying, you know, and like the same thing, but it's also could say on the other side, people that are saying negativity might also not be because they actually feel that about your physique. They're just being intentionally negative or they, you know, look, I do have a history of responding to comments and I think they're, but you know why you do that now too. It's the same reason. Yeah. But I think people would 
comment negative things intentionally to try oh, and get yes. a ruse out of yes, me. Yes, yes. Um, you know, hoping that I would respond to bait me into it and they didn't yeah. actually believe. Cause look, I'd sometimes I'd respond to it. Oh, I didn't even think you'd respond bro. I was just kidding kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of people were doing it for those reasons, but either side of the spectrum, like I'm saying, I'm a competitive bodybuilder. I'm not a competitive people pleaser. So you have to really separate that, uh, in your mind and then do what you need to do to accomplish that. You know, I think once you start to understand what actually matters to you, and what your values are, whether they're something that society looks at as good or bad or whatever. If you're honest with yourself as to what really matters to you, the decisions that you make on your day-to-day -day start to feel more aligned, and then you start to build more confidence in yourself, in your decision-making, in what you see, and who you show up as, and all those things just start sure. to line up. Yeah. And that's way more than just well, bodybuilding. And I think one thing I, you know, really came to the root cause of it is like, this is all fueled by ego. Like when you're thinking of it, like, you know, when you're searching for the positivity, but then letting so, so little negativity affect you, like this was all just ego driven for me, you know, when I, and when Ex I explain like what you mean by that, I mean like, because this is, this is thrown around so much like ego. I want you to actually explain what that means. I just think for me, I was really trying to, I don't even know how to explain that. I probably have explained it before, but I, you know, it's, I, I just know that it wasn't positive intentions behind it and that it well, wasn't. Do you know what the intention was? What do you think it was? Well, I'm asking you. I don't know. For me, when I hear ego driven, I hear someone that doesn't feel great about themselves deep, deep down. So well, now, it's, it's, now it's, they're doing things to make them feel was, more powerful. It was placed out of insecurity. And then, you know, trying to fuel my ego with positive comments, like you said, to make me feel better. Um, and, and that's really where it comes from, you know? So it's, it wasn't a healthy manifestation at all, right? You know? And do you think it was like, do you think you're born like that? Or do you think this? No. You don't, people aren't born like that. No, I don't think you can be born like that. I think it's, you know, it's history of things, accumulation of things. Um, you know, obviously I think certain people are more attuned to certain personality types and then, you know, as life takes its course, it can kind of direct you in one direction or another. Um, but I, I don't think people are born that way per se. Like obviously if you have some kind of mental illness, but it's different, but you know, or obsessive compulsive disorder or something like that or anxiety disorders. But, um, I think when you're talking about just things like that, I think this is, you know, certain product of environment and circumstance accentuating these things. And I think for me, a lot of it probably started in New York. You know, I think yeah. before that, like, you know, I had shows where I wouldn't win and look great and I was happy. Um, you know, even if it was a few negative comments, it didn't bother me because I was happy with what I had brought. But then when it was, it took one show where I actually was proud of how I looked and I won and then I still got the negativity yeah. that it really like made me question that reality, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I think from there and then it became really hard for me to trust myself, you know, and trust what I thought of my opinion or not even trust myself, trust anyone that was giving me any sort of positivity, whether it was my coach or my wife or my friends or my mom. I was like, you know, I just think that that is not the reality. The negativity is the reality because they're the only ones being honest with me. Do you think it started seeping into other aspects of how you viewed yourself or it was just, well, sure just to bodybuilding? I'm sure it's impossible for it not to have some, you know, carry over seepage into other parts of your life. I mean, you know, when you have, a knock on your confidence and, and you know, you're created some sort of insecurity through that. 
I'm sure it's going to shine in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe for some people it wouldn't. I'm sure for me it did in other ways, absolutely. Um, you know, and even coming down to just simple things, like we were talking about what I was saying with showing all my poses in every update. Yeah. Before New York, I wouldn't have given a shit about doing that. No. When I worked with Matt the first time in the first shows with Patrick, I'd send every single pose every time. I would send it, not even look at it, send it off. Didn't yeah. care if it looked good or bad or whatever. It's the coach's job to decide that. Yeah. And if I look bad, well, tell me I look bad and or manipulate what needs to be manipulated to make me look better. You know? Yeah. But then I was like, oh, I don't want to see the bad. So I started hiding it and hiding it for myself because I just didn't want to or, you know, hiding well, you, it because I didn't want to necessarily get negative feedback from the coach that would affect my ego, you know? Well, I think, you know, as a human, when like your confidence is fragile mm-hmm. and then you start to protect yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then it creates also kind of defensiveness, yep. which kind of led more negativity online, which it was like a very bad cycle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. I don't think anyone of any level of confidence or security can be beat up at that magnitude, you know what I mean? And not be affected, you know what yeah. I mean? That's why you see people like Haley Bieber, who to mm-hmm. me, I look at her, I'm like, who cares well, if someone says you're ugly because you're beautiful, but but she gets to hear something so negative so much, of course she's going to have issues, you know yeah. what I mean? So no, I th- it's, it's, a, it's one of those things that like, is so easy to comment until you have experienced, experienced it. it. And look, I was the same thing. Like if I would see celebrities or, you know, see people I knew and I would just be like, just don't cry me a it. river. Just yeah. Don't listen to it. Don't worry about it. Like until you experience it. And then you're like, okay, when it's, it comes in, in those kind of like influxes like that, it, it really affects you mentally, you know, I of mean, course. Wh- whether you believe it or not, it, it, it starts to make you believe it after you hear it. You know? Well, it's, it's, it's very similar to when you're in like, this is, a, it's, it's different, but it's the same when you're in an abusive relationship and someone's telling you something over and over again and you sure. start to be like, oh my God, am I the one that's wrong? And yeah. and they're right yeah. because you value their opinion. Yeah. Now you have hundreds, whatever, thousands of people saying this and you're like, well, am I crazy now? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's impossible. Yep. Yeah. But- Anyways, good for you for actually... Yeah. Taking some responsibility and like you're the one that's obviously reaping the benefits of this because life is just a bit more easy, right? There's a bit more of like a, a natural, even like energy level that's sure. coming. Yeah. And I think the true test will be when, not if, when I went to Toronto, if I can still sustain that, you know, like if there is any kind of negative commentary after that show, if after that I can, you know, stay the course of how I'm feeling um, and have been feeling and remember how I was feeling. Remember the confidence that I had. Remember the pride I had in my physique. Remember the pride I had in the work. Like, you see me. I bust my ass this prep. Like, this has been the hardest prep I've done in as long as I can remember. So, you know, I have to be, remember that and not remember if I win and there's negative commentary. It's like, I still did everything. I still won the show. Um, these things are secondary and irrelevant. And I'm going to go out and enjoy it with my friends and family. And y'all can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I truly believe that you get what you're ready for. And I think... Fuad's thing, you were nervous, but you were ready for it. Mm-hmm. Toronto, you're not that nervous. You're thinking about what might happen after in terms of backlash. You're, I'm not. I'm well, not thinking about it. Sorry, that. no. I'm, Whatever I'm you're prepared. For, yeah. you're, but, I'm prepared. But as I'm saying, you're ready for it. When the Olympia comes, it's going to be even harder mentally, but you will yep. be ready for it. And yep. that's just what, I mean, growth is, right? Yep. No, for sure. But I guess, side note, if anyone is in GTA region, wants to come out, watch Toronto Pro. Fuck it. If you're in. Canada. If you're, if you're in Ontario. Fly out. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, more support the merrier. I mean, I, I love to meet people. If you guys want to come out, meet Melissa and I, we'll be around the show. Um, I won't have any merch or anything. I wish I did, but we'll be there. Um, and you know, having support from all you guys means a lot to me. So, uh, come out, cheer loud, and I will very much appreciate it. So thank you. Okay. What, where did it go? Oh my God. Someone asked what your favorite color is. What, what's the hardest thing y'all have been through as a couple because of the fitness industry? Um, yeah, like what we were just saying, like you just said there, I don't know if the mic caught it. Yeah. It, it's going to be what Ian was just talking about in terms of his, um, difficulties and insecurities uh, and his shot to his confidence, really, yeah. because obviously how I see my husband is, um, I mean, to me, it's accurate. I actually am a pretty logical, level-headed person. Sure. I, I'm not going to lie if I think he doesn't look as good as he did the check-in before. I'm not, you know what I mean? But um, it's very hard when we went through a period of time where I honestly hated taking his videos because I feel like... If he I did, didn't like it, I held you responsible. Well, he <laughs> he held me responsible, but he would ask me to basically tell him that it looked good. No, I asked and him to tell me that it looked bad. But, but then he wouldn't believe me yeah. when I answered. So yeah. then I, I basically was like, so you want me to tell you you look bad? And yeah. he was like, well, no, but I don't believe you. Like it was, it was, it got difficult. It was really hard, but, and that's like a very small snapshot of, of the symptom. Um, the root of the problem all, obviously is harder for me because I always wish that he could see himself how I see him. Sure. Um, and again, the last, whatever, six months has been, I mean, pretty different in our marriage even, or I feel like it has been. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had a tough time after the Olympia, um, which took me some time to recover from <laughs> definitely a little bit of therapy. Um, but I think that was also a very good learning experience, um, to fail at that level. Um, and I don't use fail, but you know, have, yeah, fail. Sure. I mean, whatever, um, at that level with that level of pressure, I think was a very good learning lesson. Well, you kind I'm not trying to be mean, but you kind of did, you, you choked a hundred percent. So yeah. it's, I would, well, that's, I was trying to choose between the words fail and choked. Yeah. Like, I'm not quite sure which one's right, but I mean, for that specific Olympia, yeah, you was, did fail because yeah. you're not showing up as you, as my best and, yeah. and, and presenting my best, the best of my abilities, I suppose, you know? So that was tough, but, um, but, but I, like, we're any, also very thankful for that now. Don't now you think? I am looking in retrospect, you know, I think that was like any of these things like New York. I mean, they're tough at the time. Um, but I think, you know, great lessons come from these difficult times, you know? So I think you have a, a bit of time that's difficult and you work through it. And then, you know, when you can look at it from the other side and try and take something with you out of it, um, I think that's the most important part. I think you were just, you know, taking only the negative out of it, you're just never going to get anywhere with it, which I had a few years that were going that way. Um, but I think when you start to have these, you know, difficult times like that, and you can be like, okay, you know, what do I need to make myself succeed? What do I need to be better next time? What do I need to do this, 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 um, and then try and instill those in the next one. Um, you know, whether it was for me, a change of coaching was, whether it was for me, you know, putting myself in uncomfortable positions with poses or guest posing or whatever it was, um, you know, putting myself really for me, it was putting myself in situations that were uncomfortable for myself because I needed to get, I was stuck in my comfort zone because that's where I felt safe, you know, really. I think with, with you, especially you're so convicted and you're so strong that you will muscle your way through something that 
you're you're used to mm-hmm. until you actually like get to a breaking point and then you're like okay now I have to yeah. rebuild and learn that there's an easier way to do this yeah. sure because no one's going to tell you otherwise until you're down there until it's down. yeah yeah Describe your sex life in one or two words. Uh, I don't know. Fun. <laughs> Is that good? Yeah. That's a good three-letter word. Yeah, sure. You got to pick one, too. This is, you're part of the sex life, too. Wet. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, gross. Moist. What is Ian's favorite sandwich? Grilled cheese? A good grilled cheese, yeah. I wish he ate sandwiches more. I would love to make well, you sandwiches. Not really like. I know. Yeah. I feel like it's the amount of meat you need to shove in there just makes it miserable. You yeah, know? yeah. It sounds pretty sexual, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, I mean, I, I like sandwiches. I mean, you know, I could go for a good – a grilled cheese is, is more of like a dessert sandwich. You know what I mean, like – but like, even but like, like a sandwich is, I mean, okay. I mean, you made some sandwiches for your mom for oh Mother's, Day. Mother's Day. Oh my God, yeah. Um, what were those? Those were like re- like good turkey. Really good turkey sliced really, really thin with sourdough, toasted yeah. both sides. Toasted in a pan with butter. Yes, in a pan with butter. Like you should do a grilled cheese. Garlic aioli. Garlic aioli. Tomatoes, lettuce, Havarti, yeah. and avocado. Yeah, uh, that looked real fucking good. I could go for one of those. Yeah. There's a thing in my family called boat sandwiches. That is like a, a Yeah, but thing. those aren't really good. They're the best. I don't like, like sandwiches that aren't toasted. Oh, those are the best. We used to own a pretty large like power yacht when I was a kid that my parents and my grandparents, um, we would and my mom's parents, we would spend a good chunk of the summer on together. Like it was a big boat you could live on, like multiple bedrooms. Um, and my mom's dad, my grandpa, he would always make what was what we called boat sandwiches. And it was like on like thick not baguette, but like real bread that you'd like slice. You know? I feel like that's just, I think that's French bread. Yeah, but it was like very crusty, but then like really light and fluffy. Yeah. Um, it's and like, white, right? Yeah. And yeah. like lots of cheese. Yeah. Lots of mayo, lots of mustard, and lots of meat. And like those were like the best. Oh, see, I don't or like even that. even like the simplicity. I mean, going back to nostalgia here again. Peanut butter and jelly. No, when oh. me and my dad used to drive the RV at yeah. West. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to drive, we had, he had an RV and we would drive from here to Kelowna, BC every summer um, where his family lived. So when he would drive, he'd be driving all day. Obviously he wasn't old enough to drive, so I'd be in the back of the RV hanging out, playing Super Nintendo, whatever I would do during the day. Um, and he would ask me to make him sandwiches, but this is the sandwiches of a 14-year-old child, but they were still good. It was like, you know, Wonder Bread, with like bologna and mustard and like mayo, but they were so fucking good, you know? And he, I'd make them one for him and one for me, and then we'd go sit up at the front. I'm probably incriminating my father here, but we would sit up at the front and he would sit there while he was driving and eat his sandwich and drink a beer while driving the RV. It's the good old days, eh? Uh, yeah, good old 2002, you know? I mean, still was illegal to drink and drive then, but um, but no, that was those are some of my my best memories for sure. And those sandwiches, I think, when you attach nostalgia to food, it it has a different like resonance to it, you know. Yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah. Especially like vacation, you know. Yeah, yeah. Are you and Ian going to move to Florida? Well, we have a place in Florida. We lived in Florida for majority of twenty twenty six seven months of twenty twenty one six months of twenty twenty one all of twenty twenty two. So like eighteen months we lived there. We do have a property there in Port St. Lucie. 
Um, so, but uh, we, I did my prep for Toronto Pro here at our home in Ottawa. Um, then I have a guest posing in Alabama and we're probably going to head back down to Florida after that. In terms of long-term living, I don't know if Florida is like our like forever destination. Um, the United States maybe, you know, somewhere like Texas or wherever, undecided, but I don't think Florida is like where our, either of us want to live forever. Um, but, you know, we're close with obviously Melissa's brother and Courtney uh, and Ron Revive as a business are there. And well, you know, we're still active in, um, you know, my career and, you know, part of the companies and stuff and, you know, want to be close to them. It is, it is the most conducive for us. So uh, as of now, that is, you know, 50% home. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard when we decide where we're going to live because of our parents. Yeah. Um, when you talk children into the equation, then grandparents and, you know, stuff like that, it's, you know, it becomes, it becomes difficult because you want to be close to your brother um, and Courtney. And if they have kids, you obviously want your kids to grow up with their cousins and especially with the relationship you and Chris have. But then you also want to be close to your parents and you want the free babysitting. And look, my dad is, is older. Um, my dad is like in his mid to late seventies. So, you know, I don't want to be so far from my dad that my child is, grows up and doesn't really remember him in any sense. It's like, okay, my dad dies when my kid is 14. He saw my dad four times, you know, like mm -hmm. I don't want it to be like I was with my dad's grandparents where I saw them, you know, once every summer for five years kind of thing when I was like, you know, 10 through 15. Um, and my memories are very, very limited of them. Um, you know, I want them to have more of a memory of, of him than that. So it's, it's tough. It's tricky. You know, mm -hmm. if we could just convince everyone to fucking move to Texas, that would be the best, but, uh, extremely unlikely. My dad does not like American politics and that would be very difficult to do. <laughs> Yeah. My mom would probably move wherever she, yeah, I don't know. My sister lives in Vancouver and she goes out there all the time. So I don't think she would move, you, but I also Your mom don't think wouldn't move, but she would she come wouldn't stay mind with flying us. down to Florida yeah. once a month, you know. So I think like right now, yes, we live between Ottawa and Florida, and we will probably for the near future be have an American and a Canadian place. Um and in terms of where in the States, I just, we're going to be where my brother is because what's, what's the point otherwise, you know what I mean? Might as well be here if we're not that near them. You know? Yeah. Courtney and Christopher are like two of my best friends and yeah. I feel like we, the four of us really enjoy our time together. So yeah. Um, how have PEDs affected your emotional wellness as a male and a female competitor? Honestly, I'm not very affected like mentally by PDs other than in the car. <laughs> in the car? Like when I drive. Oh, your road rage. <laughs> not like road rage, but I have. That's uh, only, well, that's only close to a show though. So I disagree. And it's not even like anger. It's more like. Annoyance. And it's only in Ottawa. And it's only been recently because people here, and I'm sure anyone that lives in Ottawa, and it's, it, it's especially more noticeable after I've lived in Florida. Yeah. Where the speed of traffic and like lackadaisicalness of Ottawa is so much different. People are just like tired here. In the last two days, I've driven behind people driving 15 to 20 under the speed limit. I know. Driving on an 80 going 60. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? You know? Um, so that like irritates me as I get closer to a show. Yeah. Um, we're in Florida. Like you're going down the, you know, going down I-95 and like the speed of traffic, like everyone's going 95 miles an hour, you know? So yeah. like, it's like, traffic's rolling. They're discombobulated drivers. Like you have fast people driving in the slow lane, slow people driving in the fast lane in Florida, where I think the, you know, what's the word? Like 
people following the, you know, lane rules. It's like the flow of traffic rule. The flow of traffic rule is looser in Florida. People definitely like don't, uh, but you can definitely get places a lot quicker. Yes, 100%. Like here, the drivers in Ottawa are painful when you're close to a show. Absolutely. Um, What was the question? How PDs affect you mentally. Oh, I don't think uh, PDs have affected my emotional wellness. Is that what she said? Emotional wellness? But it has affected, actually, no, it probably has. Because obviously it, uh, it it's affected. You think of like a chicken or the egg here, you know? Are you yeah. thinking of like. Well, like, is it because I'm so muscular now that I have a hard time feeling feminine in my body? But that's is not it the PEDs causing is that? It, but is it because the decrease in like feminine hormones that it's making me feel like that? Or is it, mo- no, is it my body dysmorphia? Were, like, what is it? Even when you were post competitive career and using no. Like, look, you use no PDs really to begin with, but even when you were using none, if you didn't like how you looked, it was the same as if you were using them or not. You know, it's like that's a, a mental thing for you not being comfortable in your own skin. The mm-hmm. PDs are very secondary to that. So whether you're using them or not is actually pretty irrelevant. I think it's w- whether you like and feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, yeah. it also has given me a bit of anxiety as I've gotten into my 30s about um, my, my fertility and, and stuff yeah. like that. So I would just, as a woman, thinking about diving into that, I would just think about, again, I mean, what we were talking about at the beginning, like what your values are, what your future looks like for you, um, and decide from there. And those also change over time. So maybe in your early 20s, you, you maybe you don't care less about it, but you think less about it, and now you're willing to compete and do what you want, and then by the time that for me, at least when I got to my early 30s and now I'm thinking about being a wife and being a mother and doing all these things and it no longer is aligned with my life anymore. Um, in terms of emotional wellness, I think that is always your responsibility and that's always going to be something that you have to take care of regardless of PED usage. Sure. Thoughts on threesomes as a married couple? Um, She's kind of hot. Maybe you would want to. Oh, shit. Should I interrupt? <laughs> Should I join? No. Uh, look, I'm not opposed to them for, like, in, in my own marriage, yes. Probably I don't think it would be a good thing for Melissa and I. Um, I think we're both reasonably possessive and I don't think we cause anything <laughs> positive. And I don't think we need the spice to our sex life. I think we're both... Con- very not happy. yet, not yet at least. Yeah, maybe in 10 years. Ask us this in 10 years <laughs> when we've been married for 25 years. Maybe like, fuck yeah, come on in. But as of now, we still have a very exciting and good sex life. And I don't think bringing someone in is like something that's needed to keep this fire. So I don't think that's anything that's, you know, we're really thinking about it this time. But <laughs> if uh, if anyone's got any offers, shoot us a deal. <laughs> we're, I feel like neither of us are like people that are like, no, this is a hard no. This is a never. Like, that's not who we are as Look, people. I mean, if, you're, if you're a couple that is into threesomes, I mean, and it's not negatively affecting your relationship, I'm fucking that's amazing. more power to you. That's but, absolutely amazing. You know, cool. Great. Um, what's Ian's favorite outdoor activity? Hmm. Is this to do myself? Like I, I'm assuming. I, like I love watching track and field. That's an outdoor activity, but that's not me doing it. I think it's something that you would do outside. 
man, I mean, it's been so long. Like my bodybuilding has been so all consuming of my life. I don't exactly have outdoor activities. I mean, there was a few seasons, um, you know, when the Olympia was a little earlier in the year where I had the ability to go hunting with my dad and my, one of my best friends, Dylan, um, in the fall months, but the Olympia has been November, December lately. And it's right. Like I'm prepping in the middle of hunting season. So that's been difficult. Um, but I enjoy that. I enjoy being out in nature. Um, even if we don't shoot anything, I like being out there. I like taking a fucking nap in the woods, <laughs> you know, doing that, that whole thing is fun for me. Um, and I enjoy shooting. Um, you know, if it's a nice day out, I like getting my car and go for a good drive, especially to the gym, just fucking ripping her on a nice day. But I don't really have any like big outdoor activities unless I'm missing something, but. Well, no, you're a bodybuilder. Like. Yeah. I mean, do cardio outside. Fuck. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. Um, do you guys have separate bank accounts? How do you navigate finances? We have each our own separate bank accounts and then we have a joint one. Yeah. So we have a joint one that the mortgage comes out from, um, and any like, you know, that we can put things into for any like large joint purchases. Um, you know, if we, if we so choose to, um, but mostly for like home stuff. Um, but then like if Melissa wants to buy clothes or go do whatever she wants to do with her things, that's... <laughs> That's on her. Like, obviously, I like to buy Melissa things and treat her to stuff, but we keep those separate. I'm not just, well, I mean, that that's a lie. We kind of don't have separate bank accounts because Melissa has my credit card saved on every form on her laptop. So yeah, she but I don't. She pleases. But. Uh, no, I do not buy my clothes on that. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. I would not like like that. But um, but no, I mean, yeah, we. I think there's, everyone can do whatever they think works for the relationship, like I said. But for us, yeah, we have individuals and separates. Um, the money we make goes into the individuals. If we have things we want to do and buy together, like the homes, uh, that goes into the joint account. Yeah. With being together so long, how do you keep it exciting and fun? Uh, we don't. Listen, we're not like actively trying to keep it exciting and fun. We just like each other. Like, I, I, don't know. I just, I, I think this is something that I see a lot and it kind of confuses me because for me, my relationship isn't something that I look at to be exciting and fun. I look at it to be stable and safe and loving. Mm. And I mean, Ian's really funny, so we laugh a lot, but in terms of like, defining our marriage as those two words, I, would I wouldn't I would use that. Well, I'd use it to define our sex life. So we've already used fun once. So <laughs> Maybe she's talking about sex. No, like, look, I, you know, I think if you're not having any fun, then maybe you don't have the right partner, but you also have to look at to why aren't you having fun? Is this something in terms of effort that's being put in? Is this something like an external thing going on in the relationship that maybe needs to discuss or communicated? Um, you know, I think a lot of times people are, looking for excitement and fun when there is an underlying cause that is just causing them the opposite of fun and not that there is a lack of fun itself. If that makes sense. Yeah. But do you think like if, if we're in a, if I'm in a place in my life where I feel bored, I'm not going to look to you and say, why isn't our marriage exciting and fun? Well, I'm, it's not my responsibility. To no, bored, I'm going know? to think about what I want to do in terms of my life and my activities to, do something exciting yeah, and, and that's, fun. That's personal responsibility. And I think a lot of people look for their partner to provide every coverage of every emotion for them, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but there are some things that you need to cover yourself. And, you know, obviously we have fun in our relationship and that it is fun to be together. Um, but if Melissa wants to have more fun or do something fun, 
she can go do that on her own time or ask me if I want to do something or whatever it is. It's not like we're, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of people that are like in intimate relationships or marriages, whatever, that don't actually like each other. Yeah. And I think, uh, if, well, and I think there's also on the, yeah, like they don't like each other. And I think they're, you know, I think we talked about this in the last time and it didn't make it onto it, but you know, and that people are looking for ease in relationships. You know, I think like people, like you, how many times do you hear with people that get in relationships and then they break up and they're like, oh, it just felt so hard. And like, you know, it, was, it felt so difficult. But it's like, yeah, relationships that are long lasting are hard. They're difficult. They take work. Like, it's not like a, just a fucking cool breeze. And look, there is people like that, but those are the odd, odd, odd rarities, you know, like relationships take work. They take communication. They take growth, you know, like, and things that need to be done together to, to continue this. And I think when you have people that grow together and learn together and, and develop lives together, I think those things are like Melissa said, when she's, you know, looking for things in a relationship, she's looking for security and, and these kind of things. Like those are what, when you have that foundation, I think it makes it a lot easier to have fun, you know? Yeah. I think, I don't, I don't think relate our relationship is hard. No, I don't but think I it's do, hard, but I I'm do, saying it takes I, work. I do think you have to exert effort. And I think when people expect to just show up as themselves and do whatever the fuck they want. And then they deserve the love of their partner anyways. That yeah. is not, that is not, not real life. No. And to be honest, you, the person acting like that normally is like living like that and thinks that's how it should be. And then if their partner were to act like that, oh, they would not be well, okay with People that it. are like that, you generally see them going from relationship to relationship. And there's generally the same answer of, you know, why the relationship didn't mm -hmm. work. And I think they need to sometimes take a look in the mirror and be like, hey, the common denominator is you. Mm -hmm. And this is not saying that you're a bad person um, or anything like that. I think you just need to realize that relationships aren't necessarily just like come in molded to you. Yeah. You know, like, look, Melissa and I are obviously very compatible, but we worked on and built that compatibility even more so, you know, and obviously then when you get real life happens, you know, you have real life responsibilities, you have careers, you have finances, you have homes, you have, you know, legal issues, you have whatever happens in life, you know, these things um, happen, you know, and you, you have to have that foundation built, right? Yeah, I also think. And it, if you just expect it to be easy all the time, you're, you're going to be in for massive disappointment, continually searching for something that doesn't exist, which is ease, you know? Yeah. And if it is easy, it might be because your partner is complacent and just doesn't give a fuck about you, you know? Yeah. I think if it were easy, then you would just be staying the same and then you probably would get bored. For I sure. I think, um, I also think if you're in a relationship where you truly feel like you can be yourself at all times and show all sides of yourself. I think that's crucial. You're, yeah. you're not going to be asking, why isn't my relationship fun and, and exciting? You're just going to be very be, be peaceful. Feeling, feeling like you can all like unequivocally be yourself is one of the most like freeing feelings. You know, I think that's one thing you and I have that, you know, obviously we had at the outset, but very much developed more as we, you know, got more comfortable and had a more developed relationship and communication. We were able to both show our true selves more. And I think that rendered more fun in a relationship. Mm -hmm. and we can be more silly, be more funny. I mean, even during times of intimacy, like even when you're having sex, like at the beginning, it feels so serious, mm -hmm. you know, like things feel serious and like, you know, you have to be so serious with everything. And it's like, like it feels so dire 
But like now it's like you can be doing it, having a bit of a laugh, something silly happens, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's fun. Like it's not so serious and you can be yourself and not worry about judgment, you know? Yeah. Or even in those like times when you're like shitty, you know what I mean? And you like, you might be like, I don't know, irritable or grumpy or like whatever. If you're in a relationship where you feel like you can like let that out and it's not going to be held against you, that's going to allow you to get over it a lot faster instead of swallowing your voice. That's kind of nice. Sorry, the uh, camera battery died there, so we got my cell phone, so the video looks a little different. It's uh, my phone now. Melissa only has one phone, uh, camera battery. Not sure why, but we're going to go buy another one after this. (laughs) Okay. Um, What quality do you most respect about each other? Most respect. Yeah, so Um, it's not like what you like the most. No, I know. I mean, maybe it's the same thing, actually. Um, I think something I respect the most about you is your independence. I think you're like, look, and I'm, I'm not saying I don't like you needing me and wanting me and depending on me in some ways, but I think you're someone that's very self-sustained. I think you don't rely on anyone else to provide you entertainment or to tend your feelings or anything like that. If you want it and you, you ask for it. Um, but I think you're very good at, you know, like if we're hanging out during the day and you're like, hey, I'm going to do this. And I say, no, I'm good. I'm just going to hang out at home. Like I don't feel any level of judgment for it. Um, I think you're very depend- independent and, you know, can kind of operate on your own um, without pr- putting any level of like guilt or shame on me for not wanting to partake in all things that you want to necessarily partake in. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, I think that's definitely a, a strength, you know, that not a lot of people have. And I, I don't necessarily have it, you know, like when I go for a you know, I drive halfway across town. I, I don't want to sit in the car by myself. You want to come with me? You know, I want to go to the grocery store. You want to come? And like, and, and you'll generally say yes. But, you know, I, I feel when, if you ask me, I, I feel no guilt at all for saying no, you know? I have like this massive anxiety that like people are going to say yes to me, even though they don't want to. <sighs> you know what I mean? Sure. And I think uh, I've like... But when I was younger, that would stop me from asking. And when I, I actually worked at Lululemon, I learned that by not asking, I'm actually making a decision for somebody, which is like, to me, disrespectful, to be yeah. honest. So I stopped doing that. And instead, what I would do is like ask questions and make sure the person knows that it's okay, that no matter what they say, I'm, I'm good, yeah. you know? Yeah. I also am someone that I do value alone time. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't mean just time away from me. And I mean, actually time just being by myself. Yeah. Like, do you remember when we went to the Olympia and we stayed in a house with Chris and Courtney mm-hmm. and I literally booked a lash appointment that was, I think it was a 45 minute drive away yeah. because I was getting so, I was just always in a car with someone. I was never driving myself. I was like, and, someone and was always in the kitchen. I misinterpret this is that I don't want to or enjoy spending as much humanly time as humanly possible with no. my wife. Look, we, oh my God. we don't work. We spend literally 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, almost together. Um, so, you know, and I, I don't want it to be any less, but the, the ability to be independent when you're in a very developed relationship, uh, I think is, is, is a very admirable, uh, trait of yours. Yeah. What do I respect most about you? I think, um, especially the more that like, 
not the more I learn about you, because I feel like I always knew it about you, but the, the more that maybe you're learning about yourself in terms of your like people pleasing ability, not abilities, need, or your need to be liked or all those things. It's very rare to find someone that has that, like, and it's a common aspect, you know, in humans, but it's very rare to find someone that has that, but is still always themselves. Mm -hmm. Like normally you'll meet people that are like that and they're like chameleons, yeah, right? Because they always want to be liked. So they're always, but you are always yourself. Yeah. No matter what you're not, even when like the backlash is bad, you still don't shut up. You still don't dim your light, all these things. And I think, um, it's really, really common the older I get that I meet people that aren't, don't know how to be themselves sure. and I can tell right away. Yeah. So I think that's probably something that I'm the most like that I find the most admirable about you because it's like so strong that even when you're like in a phase when you're like insecure or when you're wanting people to like you, you still don't change. Yeah. And that's like, maybe that's why I trust you so much too. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, what are deal breakers in your marriage? What would it take for you or him to walk away? I, I don't like this question. I'm not going to lie. Because uh, you can say anything, and I, I think things are all circumstantial. Like you could say cheating, or you could say yeah. this, or you could say this, but I don't think there's hard, necessarily hard and fast rules, you know? Um, you know, I think circumstances matter. I think... Uh, relationships and time matter. Like, does something happen a year in or 20 years in? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of circumstances to these things. And I think you really just need to make the call what's going to be best for your life, your, you know, the success of your relationship. Um, and, you know, what's going to be the healthiest for both of you going long term. And like, look, say if you have an infidelity in there, and you believe in your heart of hearts that you can build back trust after that, then I, I don't I'm not opposed to anyone trying to rebuild that. Um, if you know in your heart of hearts that that's something that you can't recover from, then yeah, that is a that is a non-negotiable. So you know, I think there people might have those, but I, I think the longer you're together, the lines get a little blurred. You know, I think if you'd asked me this when we began the six months, I would have said, well, 100% if you did this or if you did this or if you know, blah blah blah, whatever. But you know, I think as you're together longer, it's like. Well, it depends, you know, mm -hmm. it really depends on the circumstances. And like, look, I'm obviously not saying that these things, you know, that there's a lot of things that might not deeply hurt me or deeply sadden me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't see them as so black and white, maybe as I used to. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I don't. Uh, I would have a really hard time getting over infidelity. I really, really would. I think anyone would. Yeah. I also think how a man conducts himself after something like that matters. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe I'm going to get ripped apart for this, but I think if something were to happen and my husband were to come clean and I didn't catch him and he was like, I had an indiscretion. I'm so sorry. I was, it was a moment of weakness. This is why, this is how I want to fix it. I can't see myself telling him to fuck off and leaving him. But this is why I'm saying things, things are circumstantial. You know? Yeah, but to be honest, if I caught him and then he started gaslighting me and didn't yeah. take any, yes, I would leave it's him. It's different. Yeah. So. But that's, that's my but, answer. But I also, I still don't like to say I would leave him because I don't believe that 
you can predict the future. You yeah. don't know how you're going to feel. I think these things are easy to say, but I don't think when push comes to shove, they're quite so black and white. Things are Especially easy. Especially when you have lives built around each other. Yes. You know? And the longer that you've been together and the more invested you are in each other as, I mean, you as have children humans. children together, you'll, yeah. you know, things like this. Come I mean, on. I think you, don't, you, don't, you don't know what you would do. You don't know. Yeah. How, how can I decrease muscle mass but not look soft? Does that make sense? <laughs> like not too muscular. And then someone also asked me right underneath, how is your upper body looking these days? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously if you want to lose any sort of tissue, um, you need to be in some form of caloric deficit. I mean, obviously if you want to lose muscle tissue, limit weightlifting, um, you know, especially, if, I really think it takes very minimal for people that have had significant or even not large amounts of muscle, it takes very little for them to maintain it. You know, I think to yeah. develop and to progress might take work, but I think even if you're doing very low intensity training or circuit training or whatever, um, you know, one or two days a week, and then you're just hammering cardio and eating no calories. I think for a lot of people that, you know, it could be very difficult to get rid of the tissue. Yeah. Um, you know, I know like Dennis James had to completely stop training for a pretty significant duration because even just doing like half-ass workouts like a couple days a week, he really couldn't get the muscle off, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's crazy because like for someone like me, when you work your whole life to try and build muscle, it seems like you miss one meal and you could lose it all. But, you know, I think when you really get into that situation, it's, it's easy, but uh, it's not easy, sorry. But I think... They, they want to lose it, but not look too soft though. But you can't, you can't pick and choose, you know, you need to lose weight, you know? Um, and then once the muscle mass gets to a point that you want, then, okay, maybe you could, you know, start increasing calories a little bit or protein intake a little bit and focus more on your cardiovascular training or things that are going to help, you know, lower body fat a little bit on that end, you know, but I think you need to get rid of the muscle first. But if you're, there's going to be phases. Like if you're pushing in a caloric deficit and you're doing lots of cardio because you want to get your muscle mass down, you're also still going to be depleting glycogen stores and you're going to look softer and flatter for duration until body fat gets to a more stable and lower point um, that you can see the changes in it. You know? Yeah. I, uh, I don't think it's possible to lose muscle without looking softer than you're used to. Um, well, I think even as a bodybuilder, there's a phase when you're in prep, like that 10 to six week outlook where glycogen stores are lower, um, you know, and the flatness is set in, but the body fat necessarily hasn't caught up with it. Yeah. You know, where you just look softer and smaller, but not leaner. Yeah. And I think that's the exact same thing when you're trying to, you know, decrease muscle mass or, and lose body fat simultaneously. Um, you know, I think the goals can absolutely coexist because they take the same things. They take caloric yeah. deficit and they take work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think they can certainly, but it's the amount of stimulus and the protein intake that you're going to have to definitely watch when you're trying to lose muscle, you know? Yeah. I've lost quite a bit of weight and I'm very close to um, the weight that I was when I did a photo shoot a couple years ago, but the composition of my body is very different. Yeah, you've lost a quite significant amount of muscle mass in the last like six months for sure. But I'm I'm for my weight, I am quite soft. But well, okay, so soft is is relative. She's talking about soft like from the eyes of someone who has been sub ten percent body fat as Sorry. a top level compared. Listen, if, if any of you saw her with no clothes on, you would think she looks very lean. But 
for what I think her ideal physique is, it is still leaner composition. So I think there's context to that. Listen, I have a very flat stomach, but it's I don't have abs. Whereas I'm used but for a female to have abs. I know at the same time is like you're you're talking about quite low body fat. No, you know? I know. But when I was more muscular, or when I was not natural, it was like because you were weight training though. Yeah, I was weight training, and right now it's actually very hard for me to not want to go in the gym and start trying to tighten up. Yeah, but that's not how it works. Which is not real. No. So I know that I'm at a point right now that I am achieving my goal. I am getting smaller. Um, and the softness that I feel, which is not actually that soft, Ian's right, I could still wear a crop top and feel very comfortable. Well, it's just a byproduct of, of losing weight. You know, yeah. I mean, There's going to be points where you know, you're going to feel a little softer and emptier. Um, mm -hmm. But you got to push through those uncomfortable and times you don't really necessarily love how you look. Uh, to get what to you get want. To get down to the, the end result, yeah. Yeah. Um, something that Ian absolutely loves about Melissa. Isn't that kind of the same? Of like, don't say my independence. You don't even love that about me. Like, what do you actually love about me? <laughs> that? I don't know. It's such like a silly answer, but I, I love like your goofiness, like, you know, because I think some people, and I think you probably would, you know, say a very similar thing to me in terms of like, you know, my ability to be myself, but I think in private, especially see, like for me, I can be that kind of everywhere. You, I think you're a little more stoic in person, but like at home, you're a lot sillier, like singing fucking songs that make no sense and saying weird shit and stuff like that. And I think that's probably partly I've rubbed off on you over the years, but I find it very endearing. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something because that's the top of my head. I was thinking about that today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ian gets a side of me that I think no one else in the world yeah. gets. Um, can you recollect any times when Ian has needed your support, but didn't re no, I don't, well, sorry. I'm sorry. Whoever wrote that, I don't really understand it. Best tips for fitness couples dealing with jealousy. Well, what is the jealousy stemming from? You know, I think they're saying fitness couples, so I'm assuming it has something to do well, with this, like social, social media, media or the gym, crowds they surround themselves with. Girls wearing no clothes around them. I, I don't. I know. think at the end of the day, you have to just draw the line in the sand of do you or do you not trust your partner? Um, you know, and I think look to have these feelings is not unnatural. You know, to to feel insecurities. Um, you know, especially when you're talking in the fitness industry, when there's you know both males and females with that are extremely attractive and that showcase some quite scandalous things on social media um, or, you know, wear, you know, minimal clothing in the gym, um, you know, that can make and bring out those feelings in people. Um, but if you're not with a partner you're, you trust, why are you there? You yeah. Know? Um, you know, and I, I think it's, it's one of those things that's easier said than done. I think you just need to let yourself feel the feelings um, but putting that on your partner when their actions are not necessarily dictating as such is unfair to a point, you know? So I think you need to communicate and maybe say why you're feeling the way you're feeling and have these open lines of communication, but using it to blame and to, if there's no, a reason to is not fair, I believe, you know? Yeah. I think, um, jealousy is always the 
perceiver's responsibility. Agreed. I think feeling um, fear that your relationship is in jeopardy is both person's responsibility. But if I'm jealous of another girl because I think she's more attractive than me and she says hello to Ian, that is my responsibility. If I'm in fear that my relationship is in jeopardy because my husband is communicating inappropriately with another girl, whether she's more attractive than me or not, that is our responsibility. So you need to figure out which one it is. And Ian's right. Trust is really important. I think one of the most vulnerable states we put ourselves in as humans is to be in love with somebody else and to trust that they are going to cherish that and not take it for granted and not hurt us. I think it's very scary. And I think if you don't trust that your partner understands the the gravity of this, the responsibility of being in a relationship like that and being vulnerable with each other and they're not going to be worthy of your trust, then... And that's where your jealousy is stemming from. Then I would challenge that you probably should be in a different relationship. Sure. Has there ever been a time when you guys thought your relationship was over? God, these are a lot of like negative breakup fucking questions. I don't like these. Um, well, no, you need to think of it as a, in terms of maybe there are people that are in long-term relationships no, that are having it. these thoughts and they want to know if it's, I don't know, if there's well, look, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, but our relationship isn't their relationship. And I, I think you need to understand that. You know, like, look, has there been moments? Babe, it's a Q&A. Yeah, yeah, but look, there was only one moment that I think maybe Melissa thought, and that was like right at the beginning when I did my first show and I got really shut down. Um, and she didn't understand the process yet. Um, and then we were able to, you know, create an understanding and work through that. And that was the end of it. Um, you know, I don't think there's been any other. I think after that, we've really just made the commitment to whatever it is, you figure it the fuck out, you know, like figure it out, work through it. You know, if if, if you're still alive, you can figure it the fuck out, you know? Yeah, we, um, we're not like. We take things seriously. So like when we're married and we're saying like, even if we weren't married, we decided a long time ago that we were going to be together for the rest of our lives. And in no means were we, did we jump into something like that, thinking that that meant that it was going to be rainbows every single minute that we're together. Um, We also have been very clear with each other what our boundaries are and what we expect from one another. And we both want to rise to the occasion and give that to each other. So I don't think that there's anything that could come our way that we would ever feel like that. And I did feel like it once and we had been together for six months and I was 22 years old and I was confused about the the prep of a bodybuilder. And even then I would argue that I still was very committed to figuring out how to make it work. Yeah. And like any of these things, it's circumstantial. Why are you feeling that way? What, what are you feeling in your relationship that is making you feel that it may be over? Um, what is the root cause of that? Can this be fixed? Can this be communicated? Those are things that can be worked on together, you know, individually. Um, you know, these are, these are, it's such like a multifaceted question. Cause it's like, yeah, I think almost every couple at some point might've had that inkling or that feeling that maybe things aren't going to work or whatever. There's a moment where shit hits the fan for a, a bit, but you know, it's, it's where you come out of that and what you choose to take from it. And, you know, are you going to use that as a lesson to grow and build together or are you going to use that to push each other apart? You know? Yeah. Um, I have a question. I feel like 
there's not really a benefit to getting married, mm. especially for men. Sure. Did you, now, did you always want to get married? I didn't want to get married. Even, like, I, well, okay, wait, sorry, that's a lie. Wait. I'm completely apathetic to marriage. So were you always like that, even as a young boy? I just never thought about it and don't care about it. You didn't care. I think this is a, 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 a thing that girls think about more, like, I want to get married and my dream husband and, you know, have a wedding and my dress and it's like things you, there's aspects of marriage and weddings and a life and these things you think together as, as a female that are a lot more emotion based, um, than a man would feel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, look, the, the point, the point of it is, is what matters, you know, like the, the, the intonation of what the marriage is, is what matters to me, but it's not like we got married and it was like, it changed my level of commitment or look, to be honest, it was a lot of money that I would have rather do something else with, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, we spent a bajillion dollars on a wedding and like, look, it was great and all, but it's one day and then it's over. Um, and you got a few pictures and like some, some half drunk memories and, uh, it's all good and dandy, you know, but it doesn't change anything from my end. I understand people wanting to get married. I don't hate on it. We are married. Um, I, I think if that's something that you value and look for me, because I really didn't care either way because Melissa wanted to get married. I'm okay to get married. I don't give a shit. If you want to get married, okay, I'll get married. I'm not like one of those people that I'm like, I don't believe in marriage. I'm opposed to it. And they're, they're fucking, you know, governments and relations, you know, like, I don't give a shit about that. You know, I just, it, it really was like neither here nor there for me. You know, I never really had any big conscious thought about it. Um, you know, I liked maybe the idea of saying that like some, you're my wife or whatever, whatever, but. Well, even, you could say that. I was going to say, even if we didn't get married and we were together for 25 years, and I, I'd say the same fucking thing. I mean, it doesn't really make a difference to me, you know? So um, the concept, you know, of the wedding and all that really means honestly nothing to me. Um, it's it's the life you build together, and I think that has nothing to do with the marriage, you know? Mm -hmm. What in his eyes made him realize he wanted you to be his wife? <laughs> what in his eyes? That's a question for you then, I guess. No. What, in, what made you realize that you wanted me to be your wife? Ugh, I, I don't have an answer to that. I don't think this is like one of those. I think people are looking for an answer. It's like, oh, I knew the moment that I, you know, maybe some people have answers like that, but. Time together, you know, going through tough times together, going through good times together, you know, seeing the relationship that was built and developed together and grow. It's, it's, it's a process. It wasn't like I woke up like one day and I'm like, I want to marry her. It was like, I like her. I love her. Okay. Maybe I could live with her. Maybe I could spend forever with it. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a process, you know? And I think, you know, especially through trials and tribulations and things that are difficult and you're able to see yourself come through the other side, you gain more optimism, um, about longevity of a relationship, you know, um, especially like I come from parents that did split up, you know? So like, I didn't necessarily have like the best optimism about the success of relationships growing up, you know? Um, so it, it took some time for me, like, and we didn't get, we were together for what, six years before we got married, proposed after five, married after six. Um, so it's not like I was like right off the hop, like, you know, popping the question, eager to get married, you know? Um, but no, I mean, I, I, it didn't take me long to realize that 
you were someone that I think I could build a life together, but there was no like aha moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Without your IUD, how do you think it will change your sex life? Well, it changes it in exactly the way you would think. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want to get pregnant or not? If you don't, don't go in there, finish in there. If you do, then go for it. I mean, it really depends. I mean, other than that, it just, it changes the end result, you know? <laughs> That's about it. But other than that, I mean, it doesn't change anything, you know? It's, you're just primed and ready to go for when we do want to have children, you know? Okay, a lot of people are asking, like, how we stay intimate during prep or how we, like, have date nights during prep and how we, like, keep our relationship going during prep. Look, this this is different for us because we do not – we spend so much time together in a day-to-day. Like, we have – date night every day, all day, whenever the fuck we feel like it. Like if we want to like go to the, do something in the middle of the day, if we want to watch a movie at fucking two o'clock in the afternoon or 10 PM at night, if we want to go out to a restaurant in the off season, any single day of the week, we can like our lives are built around my career, to be honest. Um, and we really can do whatever we want, whenever we want under those guidelines. So, you know, I think, I think it all just comes down to effort and communication, which I feels like I've said a hundred times, but like if someone feels they need something, ask for it. If you feel you need to have a date night, ask for it. Um, and as your partner, it, as the partner, it is your responsibility to, you know, know if you're being neglectful in some capacity, um, and provide what is needed for your partner in that way. Like, like I said before, I don't, it's not my responsibility to tend to all your feelings, um, of boredom or whatever, but it is my responsibility to, I don't know, pr- pr- provide a quality relationship. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, and provide moments of connection and intimacy. Um, and I felt maybe if those felt lacking in our day to day, then we would be more ample to like have these scheduled things like going on date nights or whatever. But because I think we have so much of it in the day to day, like, you know, silly moments and, and cuddle on the couch at night or in bed or whatever and watch a movie. Like it's not something that is like lacking in our day to day that we feel we need to fill, at least for me, um, with those kind of things. But do we like to do it? Sure. Like in the off season, do we like to go out to a nice restaurant every week or two or go see a movie with some friends? Um, absolutely. But we're not planning them as if it's like a thing to keep the relationship exciting. Yeah. We're just doing it because we want to do it. Yeah. Hey, you want to eat? Yeah, I want to eat. Let's go eat. Let's go get some food. You yeah. Know? You want to go? What are you feeling? Like Italian? Okay, let's go. You know? Well, Alex, te- Audi texts us. Yeah, you want to go see a movie? Fuck yeah, let's go see a movie. You don't want to go to a movie? Nah, I'm not feeling it. Like, you know, it's just go with what you feel and communicate. If you're, maybe, hey, maybe the opportunity, the time comes up where I don't want to go to the movie and you do. You're more than welcome to go <laughs> with the friends to the movie and I'll stay at home. And this is where the independence thing comes from, you know? Um, I wouldn't hesitate to say no. And if you wanted to go without me, you wouldn't hesitate to say yes. Um, and I think that's something that has mitigated a lot of anxiety between us and not like, you know, worrying about always tending to the other person in that capacity, you know? Yeah. I feel like 
relationships are different. Our relationship isn't one that um, benefits greatly off of having a date night. Um, we're really present with each other, like, all the time. It's not like um, – Ian comes home from work and like sits on the couch yeah, and so is like and is scrolling. Day at work, you well, know? no, I think a lot of times with relationships, people work all day and then they come home and they're tired, so they sit on the phone and they scroll TikTok for two hours. Yeah. Um. So when you when people are like, oh, I need a date night, I think it's actually you really need to connect, and that doesn't need to be done over dinner. It doesn't. You don't need to have well, alcohol. That's what I'm saying, that we have that. On an all-day date, one hundred percent. And so, if we felt we were needing more of that, then maybe we would say, "Hey, we feel like we've been lacking those kind of moments. You want to go do something, or let's make, hey, feel like we haven't done this in a while. You want to like lay in bed and cuddle up and watch a, a movie tonight." And, you know, like we would voice those things. And that's coming down to the communication of voicing your needs and wants, and your partners on the other side to reciprocate their feelings in terms of what they want and don't want out of that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And what I was saying is I'm sure like if you're feeling like you need a date night, maybe you just need to ask for like an hour of connection just for you guys to like sit and talk with each other and actually be present. Um, you can get a fucking board game. You can play fucking truth or dare. I don't know. Whatever you need to do to actually like be present with each other. That's what I would do well, and like focus even, on during prep. We do even silly shit like that isn't planned. Like we were sitting in the car the other day playing – <laughs> fuck, fuck Mary, Mary Kill. Kill. You know, just like out of the blue. She's like, you want to play Fuck Mary Kill? I was like, all right. And we're just like naming three people or three random things. Like it wasn't even necessarily people. You know, like McDonald's, Hive Guys This, or Margot Robbie, Anna Darmus, and I'm like saying Brad Pitt. Like, and we're like doing Fuck Mary Kill. And it was hilarious. And we just sat there and did that for, you know, 30 minutes while we were driving. And like just moments like that that I think make it so we don't need. But those are the small things that I think people sometimes don't do, but it's not without... Like we're not putting effort into doing that. That's just us, you know? So I like, I don't really have like an answer to that, you know? It's not like we're like, oh, we're lacking connection, so let's play a game in the car. It's like, we just like each other's company. We want to say silly things and it's, yeah, fun, but it's fun to hear your partner's opinion on these yeah, things. Yeah, you know? but sometimes people might still like each other, but you get in a habit of just like scrolling your phone instead of actually like... That's effort, yeah. ...talking to people that are around effort you. Effort and communication. And that's yeah. probably not even just with your partner. It's with your friends and your family too. Sure, absolutely. I have learned that I get more joy and more fulfillment from communicating with people that I care about versus scrolling on Instagram for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So when we're driving or... When he's driving, I would rather have a conversation with him than go on my phone. And that's choice. And it has nothing to do with going out to dinner, which well, I yeah, think it's some, also, it's also some couples are like, we need to have our date night every Wednesday or else the relationship well, that suffers. That's great. But like, you know, we also find common interests. Like we find shows that we like together or like when we're driving, we find podcasts that we enjoy together. Like, you know, listening to crime junkie or things like this, you know, these are things that you can enjoy together and, you know, bond and, and talk about and communicate over, you know, that creates common interest, you know? So I think you also need to find things like that. Yeah, for sure. Like, look, Melissa has lots of shows that I've never watched a single episode of, and I have a bajillion she's never <laughs> watched an episode of. Um, but, you know, we find shows that we do have a common interest or we find movies that we do like together. Um, you know, we find podcasts we do enjoy to watch together, listen together. Um, you know, and there's, you, you have to find common ground on these things and, and do those activities together as well, right? Yeah. Sorry, I need to answer this. Bad girl. I know. Um, 
I also think once you have children, it's probably different. You probably actually need to schedule times well, for you. Revolve around yeah, for you to be alone and do vacations, just the two of you, and do date nights, just the two of you, 100%. But right now, we spend a lot of time together, and a lot of that time we use to connect. Sometimes sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're together and we're not sometimes talking. Sometimes we sit on the couch next to each other, and she reads her Kindle, and I play and my he fucking plays Zelda. Nintendo Wii, and... You know, where I watch a movie on my phone in dead silence and, you know, we just sit and enjoy what yeah. we like to do, but we do it together. You yeah. Know? Um, and I think just that time near each other and together is, is valuable as well. Mm-hmm. Ways to find, ways you find best to communicate when you get emotional. Do you need space to calm down? Go ahead with that one. Um, I don't like communicating when I'm heightened. I like to take a second or longer if I need it. Um, and then I like to come back. I feel like Ian didn't used to be like that, but he's. Well, I've learned my partner, you know, I'm, I'm a fixer. Like I want to fix things immediately. Um, I don't like feeling the anxiety of looming unresolved issues. Um, so even if I know it's not going to be productive, I want to try and resolve things now, but I have learned, um, you know, one that we both operate better under cooler heads. And if the time is not right, then let's let it sit. And I also know that Melissa likes that and needs that. So if I need to give her some time for her to be in the right mindset, even if I'm feeling I am at the time, then I think it's fair to give that to your partner so that you can both be kind of in the same mindset of being able to discuss peacefully and resolve a situation. You know? mm -hmm. I also have a really hard time when I feel um, like scolded or like I did something wrong. It's very hard for me to like speak. Mm -hmm. I kind of like shut down. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's from like whatever my childhood, but like if I feel like I've fucked up or if I've done something wrong, I, it's almost like I become like paralyzed, like yeah. a uh, like my voice can't even come out of my throat. Yeah. And I think that used to frustrate Ian a lot. He'd be like, speak, speak. speak. <laughs> say um, and it's, I don't like silence. Like we'd sit there and I'd say something and she'd just be quiet and like sit there. And I'm like, are you, are you going to say something? Are you thinking like, what are you doing? And she's like, doesn't want to say an answer that is too based out of emotion. And that is not thought through in a time of heightened emotion, which I have learned to respect a lot more. Yeah, I also have a really hard time speaking when I feel like I'm not going to be heard. Mm -hmm. And then I just won't even open my mouth. So I think everyone, no one's going to show up perfectly when they're emotional. That's not how humans operate. Um, give your partner grace and learn what they need. And then, like, you guys are always going to be on the same team. Like, you both want the same outcome. You want to be happy together. So just, like, try to remember that and be emotionally intuitive enough to figure out what your partner needs and just do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. One more. One more. And then we're done. I'm going quite hypo here. I know you look very tired to be honest. Face, I feel it like sinking in. Do, 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 I got do, a full do, other do, three hour do, podcast do. to do right after. Yeah, <laughs> but you need to eat and maybe yeah. have another coffee or something. Does Ian switch during sex? No, not anymore. We, I, I feel like I used to when we started dating. I feel like I used to be sweatier during sex. I feel like I don't really sweat much. I might be like hot at the end, but like I'm not like, I've never, I can't recall a time where I've been like on top of you, like dripping sweat on you or something. No. 
I don't really. My cardio is good enough now that I, I mean, my sexual stamina has got good enough that I've become attuned to it, you know? Even like when Ian's in peak off season, his like, like stamina and his like ability to move is like crazy when you think about it. I just don't like soft mattresses when I get heavy. I sink in a little much. It's like trying to fuck on a waterbed. That's hard. You know? Yeah, but then like just, m- just move I to want, the floor. I want, yeah, like, I, want, I want my feet on the ground. You know? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Can't finish on that one. One more. There's too many. I should have organized them. Mm. Who's going to have kids first? Melissa and Ian or Christopher and Courtney? I I wish it was us, but I'm going to say Chris and Courtney. I think we're going to have them at the same time. I think they'll beat us by six months to a year. I think I think we'll I think we'll be getting pregnant when they're having a baby. I think we're both going to try to me and Courtney at least will like try to ha- like get pregnant at the same time. I think that's actually very good for women to have like someone that's pregnant with them. Sure. Um but obviously you don't know what's going to happen. No. Uh I don't know. I'll let you know after our fertility appointment in June. <laughs> but even then, you could get shit results and get pregnant like the fucking first try. I know, but pregnancy at, is such but, like a roller coaster. But at least I'll have more data to like give a yeah. prediction. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that's enough. That's. An hour I'm tired, and, good. and Ian needs to eat. Um, I have like a hundred more questions, so I'll probably make him do this again. Sure. Because Courtney's going to be. We can do one after Toronto and discuss Toronto and do some more questions. Yeah, that'll be fun, actually. Um, And yeah, thank you guys for your questions. Thanks for listening, as always. Thank you, babe, for being here. Thanks for having me. We love you. Love you, too. And uh, yeah, bye, guys. See ya.